Now then, I want you to open your Bible, if you would, to the Psalms. The 13th and the 14th Psalm. Today's message is entitled, When God Hides His Face. When God Hides His Face. For those of you here today for the first time or you haven't been here in a while, uh, Sage Mike Church has had, because of our uh, huge size and the fact that we keep up with our members, we are not one of those churches that doesn't have a role because we're afraid we might invade your privacy. We very much love each other. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. But we've had a tsunami of deaths and and sicknesses and bad diagnoses and on and on and on. And in that time, there have been many of us that have walked through the valley personally. And today, I want to speak to you again, keeping that in mind. What is it like when God hides his face? I know we like to kind of play hide and seek and and run off and we don't become a part of uh, a Bible study group or we don't have a prayer time or we don't go to worship services and we just want to run out and hide with the world and their darkness and and yet God never leaves us nor, nor does he forsake us but sometimes there comes those moments in life when you will feel like that God has hid his face from you. I do not care how strong your walk with God is. There are those times when you feel like, God, where are you? I need thee every hour. It's one of my favorite songs, Lord. And, and I feel like that, that your presence has not been around. You know, from the time that, that Jesus walked on this earth until right now has been a long time. And during that time, it has been difficult for all of us that even know the Lord to honestly say that every single day of my life, I have felt God's presence. I have seen his face. Because the truth is, that is not an accurate statement. There are times in all of the characters of the Bible that I know about when God hid his face for a brief time, some for extended time, that God operated in such a way that there was a difficult time for those that were on the earth to deal with the Father which is in heaven. And so today I want to talk about that for just a few moments. Maybe you today are here and you feel like you can't make contact with God. Maybe you've started prayers and you stop about 30 seconds into the prayer and say, nobody's listening. I don't even know what I'm doing this for. Nobody cares, not even God. You would say, preacher, I seek, but I don't seem to find. I knock and it doesn't seem to be open. I ask and it doesn't seem like it's given to me. And therefore, I'm going to come to the assumption that God has turned his back on me that God has walked away from me, that God has chosen to just cast me aside and go on with what he's going to do because maybe he feels like he can't depend upon me. Maybe he feels like I'm not adequate to be a part of his family. 
I mean, you could have a thousand different reasons. But when you get into the scripture, I think that you can be enlightened. I know I have been. And you can be reminded that even though you cannot see God's face, he knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what you're experiencing. He knows exactly whether you're making good progress or not. He knows whether you're moving forward or sitting still or going backwards. And just because you don't see him the way you want to see him, and we all have ideas, well, God, if you were here, I'd hear you talking. If you were here, I would some way see you. You know, I'd see a cloud that looked like my favorite painting of what you look like and, you know, that kind of stuff. But all the time, God, in a loving way, is just watching and waiting. Now, this morning, I'm going to choose, and I had a lot of choices, but I'm going to choose David, the writer of the psalm. The young man, of course, was a shepherd boy, the young man that became king of Israel, the young man that committed adultery, the young man that had time on the battlefield, and you could go on, and, of course, the one that wrote most of the psalms. And David was a man that I think that most of us, if not all of us, can identify with, both male and female, and from a spiritual side, how David's life at times parallels yours. Maybe you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe evil is coming upon you, and you're being tempted like never before in your life, and you hear his words, fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You're leading me. All of those things can pop back up if you're willing to acknowledge that in my quiet time and when nobody's around me for me to impress, I have felt that God has hid his face from me. Listen to the 13th Psalm. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved out. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation and I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now move on to the 14th chapter for just three verses. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They've done abominable works. There's none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. No, not one. I interpret that in this way. Not one of us could look God in the face 
and say, God, I never question your timing, your wisdom, your ways. I don't think any of us can say everything you ever did, God, I agreed with it 100%. In fact, I just went out and told all my friends what was going on in my life spiritually, and, uh, and I just told them that God just always does things just like I want him to. I just have an awesome God. I don't think I've ever asked for one thing he didn't give me. And you know, he not only gives it to me, he gives me to it when I want it, and on and on and on. I just think we have that much carnality in us. <laughs> But then when the crowd disperses and we get in our prayer room, it changes. We begin to realize that God's ways are higher than our ways. And God does love the righteous. And by the way, he does love the unrighteous. God loves all of us. And he'll respond to both of us. He will respond to the unrighteous, those that are not his children, in one way. And he'll respond to his children in another way. I don't know if any of you had parents like I did. And I have to mention them so often because God gave me wonderful parents. And I always did not agree with my father's analysis of my situation. (laughs) And I had times when I didn't agree with my mother. But I lived long enough to find out, you know what? They were right and I was wrong. Can you believe that? I didn't know everything when I was 15. My dad really knew more. And you know what? We're still rebellious. There's not a one here. Some of you look so righteous this morning. I wish I could look like you do (laughs) as I confess my sins to you. But God, he's got a sense of humor. But he also gets serious at times. And when his children begin to doubt his presence, he gets serious. I I think that that when the coach is looking, the, the teacher is looking, the parent is looking, the elder is looking. In this life, we have a tendency growing up to pay a little bit more attention to what we did and what we said or what we didn't say. David was just being a normal man when he wrote this, and he was identifying with all of us. He had that question in his mind. He was beginning to try to figure out, how do I get what I need when I need it and the way I need it? For those of you that don't know God, that does not prove there's no God. You can say, I don't believe in God. And you can make that choice, but that does not mean there's no God. It means you don't know him. And the reason that you don't want to follow him is that you don't know him. Because if you knew where he was leading you, you would be following him. 100% of us would be. You would change everything in your mind if you knew that there was a God and that God was leading your life so you could do exceedingly abundantly above anything you think or ask. But folks, there are times when life turns sour. You don't have to live very long. And certainly when you have become what's called an adult, you know that there are days... When life turns sour. 
We do the best we can. But misfortune and pain spill over like a cataract on an eye growing. And we're not able to see things like God wants us to see things because our vision begins to be narrowed to where we say, not your will, but mine be done to God. Rather than not my will, but thine be done. When we start focusing through these eyes, our eyes are self-centered. And what we think is best, most of you don't eat the food till you look at it. And then you decide whether you're going to like it. And you start playing with your food. You move this over and that over, and I don't think I like that and all that kind of thing. And God might come along and say, eat it. I am providing that for you. Eat it. Did you ever reach out for comfort and grab emptiness? Did you ever feel like if I could just go to church on Sunday, I wouldn't have another problem? If I could just get the Bible and read the 23rd Psalm, which is my favorite verse, and read it out loud, whew, I'd just feel wonderful for the rest of my life. And so you did all of that, but you didn't feel wonderful for the rest of your life because you lived more than one day after that. And when that man, I think it was a man that wrote this song, one day at a time, Lord Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. The truth of the matter is it's an eternity we're asking of him. We take it one day at a time, but some days we don't have a clue what's going on. Some days if somebody asks you, what is your opinion of God, you wouldn't just quickly say your memorized words. You would stop and say, well, if you'd asked me that last week, I would have said this. But today I'm a little struggling with it. But when we come to the moment that we can be like David and we can look at things, acknowledge them, confess them, and we cry out for encouragement. And in the past, the silence has been thundering. And we feel like he has withdrawn his presence. And we are in misery. Let us be reminded that Jesus had such an hour. You can call it the hour of desolation. In Psalm 22, and then in the New Testament, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Ladies and gentlemen, it's different when others talk to you about feeling like God has forsaken them than when you start thinking about, has God forsaken me? Have you noticed how easy it is to solve other people's problems? You know, most of us, if anybody come to us, we could help you with your problem, we think. But we can't help with ourselves unless we know God. Uh, if we don't understand how God works, that he never just turns us loose and says, here's five points, go tell everybody. He says, walk with me. Talk with me. Know me. My power, my fellowship, my promises. Take my spiritual gift. Use it for my glory. But don't Run from me. Don't just depend on one day a week to come to church for an hour to solve your needs. 
and the fact is that most Christians today don't go to church, period. They don't gather together to worship. They just feel like they got saved when they were 10 and they'll live like the devil until they're 80 and die and go straight to heaven. But when you fall in love with Jesus, you don't leave him and forsake him and stay that way. Oh, you may for a little while, and we all have. But we're miserable until we can come running back and see him throw his arms around us. I would offer to you something for you to think about. I believe that American people and even Christian American people still have an inadequate view of suffering. I don't think we've arrived. I, I don't think that we oftentimes, we suffer for things we shouldn't suffer over, and we're ignoring things that ought to break our heart. And we can't seem to put it together. And so if you feel like that God has hid his face, then you find yourself in this kind of trouble. And John Wesley was troubled. And his friend by the name of Peter Moeller, here's what he said to John Wesley. He said, preach faith until you have it. And then you will preach faith because you have it. We need to continue to proclaim our faith, but if we do not have the faith we're proclaiming because we've let it slip by and we have slipped back into walking by sight instead of by faith, if we'll keep speaking about have faith in God, have faith in God, and that faith will return. And when that faith returns, it's then and then only that we're able to walk with God day by day. Did you know that a lot of illnesses, and maybe all of them, exist long before the symptoms show up? There are many of us here today. We have diseases we don't even know about. And spiritually, it's the same way. A lot of people can be spiritually sick, but the symptoms haven't shown up yet. And when they show up, you hope that they caught it in time kind of an attitude. That's our physical part of it. But spiritually, how long can you go when the illness is there that you feel like that God has turned his back on you and has turned his face away from you? Where are you, God, when I need you the most? Where are you, God, when I need you the quickest? Where are you? Why do the wicked prosper and the innocent suffer? God, I don't understand all of that. Why are all these bad things and war and disease and hurricanes and fires and car wrecks and, and bad diagnosis and divorce and suicides and famine and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars? God, what in the world is going on? And God says... Read my word, spend some time with me, and tell me the truth about your love for me, your walk with me, your faith in me, your trust in me. That's what he's saying. A lot of our decisions, the Bible doesn't go into lots of length as to why 
we drift. There's some, there's some clues, but it's, it's not a book written just about that. But most of our problems come from wrong decisions, I think. That, now, that's me. That's not, I won't proof text that. But you know what? When you make the wrong turn, you're liable to hit head on into somebody. And when you just decide, I'm not coming to church, I'm not praying, I'm not reading that book, I've already read it and I don't understand it, that ought to put a big warning flag because if you can't understand your father talking to you and he talks to us like little babies, you need to find out. Do you have a heavenly father? Well, my mother and daddy took me to church. Wonderful for mother and daddy, but how about you? How are you doing on your own? Well, my dad used to read to me the Bible every night, 10 o'clock. We'd get there, and he'd pull on the lamp, and he'd open the Bible, take his glasses, put it on, and he'd read us a passage, and he'd shut it and say, now let's pray, and he prayed for all of us. I was raised that way. And you want to question whether I know God? I want to question whether you know God. Yes. Because how are you doing today? Can you honestly say, Lord, as you follow me, I'm going where you lead me. And you know, when you feel like God turned his face, it may be because he was looking at you and he wanted you to go this way and you started going that way. And you wonder what happened to him. He didn't change directions. You changed directions. If you don't see God this way, when he's back there, can you understand why you don't see God? Why do you feel God's presence? But let me warn us one more time. Don't believe that suffering and pain can drop a curtain between you and God. That's not what it's for. It is a symptom to point us to God. When we suffer, when we go through pain, it's just like Jesus. He quickly turned to the Father. My God, my God. Father. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Father, whatever your will is, not mine, but thine be done. And then the focus is clear and the direction is secure. David was like all mankind that he did experience the dark night of the soul. However, he was not willing to surrender to it don't give up don't give up don't give up don't walk away and say God I've given you a month two months five months a year and God quite frankly I hadn't seen you anywhere don't give up the goal is heaven and as long as we have a breath to breathe We have a purpose, and God has a plan. You say, but I'm just so much weaker than I used to be. I've gotten older, and I can't do what I used to do. The Lord said, I can do what I used to do, and I used to walk with you, and I'm going to start carrying you. But follow me. Follow me. Follow me. In that third and fourth verse of Psalms 13, He says, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. He's so frustrated. But then he says, light my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, 
and the enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Don't let it happen. Don't let the enemy prayed through the pits of hell saying, look at her, look at him. I got him. I got him. I knocked him down. I got him out of the battle. They'll never follow God again. We have won. Now, David didn't have the answers any more than I do or you do. But he did have some things that he knew that helped him. Can I share them with you real quick? Number one, David knew evil could destroy him. Do you know that? Did you hear me? Evil can destroy you. You say, well, it hadn't until now. Are you dead yet? No. Well, watch out. Because the Bible says, except you repent, you're going to perish. Now, David knew this. David knew when he went through the Bathsheba story, he knew about the shepherd story. He had no idea what the future held, but here's the point. He knew how quick when you're not walking with God and think he's not watching you, you can fall into sin and pay a high, high price to ever get to walk with God again like you want to. Another thing, he knew for certain that his pain and suffering was not the will of God. He brought it on himself. When you, we don't eat right, drink right, exercise, whatever, it, it can affect our health, sure. Yeah, but I just like it. And I just feel like I look good in anything I eat. And so I'm going to do my thing and uh, be careful. But can I tell you something else about David? I don't think David ever, ever quit looking at the face of God. I think in his darkest moment, he was looking for God. Because he knew he was the author and the finisher of his faith. He knew. He knew that he was the good shepherd. He knew that God was watching him and knew exactly where he was and exactly what he's going through. And if you are grieving today, if you are angry today, if you feel empty today, if you're having the worst year of your life or maybe the worst day of your life, God knows and God cares and he understands. But you need to learn at least one verse of one scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. I've learned to be content. If you don't give me more money, I'm going to be content. If you don't give me longer days, I'm going to be content. If you don't move me from this job to that job, I'm going to be content. The Lord is my shepherd. And here's another thing that David learned. In his darkest moments, in his darkest moments, he never relaxed his search to find the light. He didn't quit. He didn't have the pity party and sent out all those invitations and nobody came. He always, always was looking for God, even in the darkness. And you know what? When you find God in your darkest day, you'll see light like you've never seen light. 
in the contrast. But you see, too many of us use God like we use flashlights. When do you use the flashlight? When it gets dark. If you go to my house right now, I can show you three flashlights. As far as I know, all the batteries are charged. As far as I know, I haven't used them in several months. As far as I know, I wasn't walking around in the dark in several months. Walking into doors, walls, and all that kind of stuff. I'd have gone over and got the flashlight. But that's not the way God does. He's not a flashlight. His light is forever and forever. He's in the light. We're in the darkness. We need to come out of the darkness into his glorious light. And by the way, he can turn and shine it in your face sometimes, and that's where some of us are today. It's right in our face. It is so bright we can hardly see. I just don't know what's happening to me. I I can't see like I used to. Well, just be still and know that he's God. Bow your head. Trust him. Walk with him. Love him. Another thing about David, he never doubted that God had a solution to his problem. Any of you giving up? Have you just said, I'm throwing up my hands? I have. Preacher, I'm telling you, every day for six months, I prayed and asked God for this. And he still hadn't answered my prayer. As I've always told you, yes, he did. He said no. And now if you want to discuss, well, then, God, if you're saying no, what do you want me to do now? Now you're on the right track. You've quit planning your itinerary, which got you into this mess. Now you're going to throw your itinerary away, and you're going to get on his itinerary, and you're going to follow him. And you know what? You're going to find what you've been looking for, and you're going to say, oh, I wished I'd have done it a long, long, long time ago. There were times when David lost contact with God, but he never lost faith in God. And I may be talking to some today, and you have lost contact with God. You, to be honest, preacher, I just have. I'm just wore out. Just wore out. In my study this week, it was called to my attention that Job, the book of Job, that a lot of scholars say that's the oldest book in the Bible, that the the date of its writing was the oldest. They don't all agree, but a majority of them do. Job, Job again, I always have to remember television all, J-O-B, okay, Job. But when adversity came, and everybody turned on him, and everybody wanted him to curse God and die, Job said, no, I have seen the light. I know God. If he slays me, I'm going to trust him. Ought to be the prayer of every single one of us. And Job took that moment when his friends turned against him, his wife turned against him, His financial statement went to nothing, but he never wavered. All of his friends says, come join us. We found another way to go with it. We found another way to put our money. We found another things to do. Job said, no, if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. And for 40 years, I have shared with this church three R's. And it's been a while since I've shared them, but I hope that no one has ever heard me preach that long will not remember these three R's, and they're not reading, writing, and arithmetic, okay? But three things will change your life on a day-by-day basis if you know the Lord. And number one is that God has a right. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. 
We have been enlisted not to serve where we want to serve, to do what we want to do. We have forsaken all to follow him. And he said, I will lead you to life everlasting. And it starts here, and it goes through all of eternity. But God has a right. When God took everything from Job, God had a right because God gave it all to him. And the second R is God had a reason. Do you know that if you feel like God has turned his back on you, God has a reason for allowing that to happen? I don't know why, except I do know this. When you come through it, he wants you to know him better than you did when you went in. I do know that. But God has a reason. Now, his ways are higher than our ways, so we can't just say, God, I understand. No, you don't understand. No, I don't understand. But I do know God has a reason. And, of course, the third art is God has a reward. If you don't know that story, he lost his whole family. God gave them all back, gave him twice as much money he had, gave him his health back, and on and on. God has a reward. You be faithful, I will bless you. But I want to teach you. If you're going through this thing I'm talking about today, today, you know what God's will for you is and wants for you? He wants you to follow him all the rest of your days, your life, and never get here again. Never question him. Never feel like you feel today. That, you know, I'm just that close to just throwing my Bible away and never darkening the door of a church and just cursing God and dying. You don't want to go there. What you want to do is to repent and come to him. And allow him to take you and lead you to everything he wants you to be. That's a biblical approach to pain and to suffering. Psalm 27.1, listen to this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's not too far down the, the line of chapters, is it? You see, David won. Are you winning today? Can you look back and say, Pastor, I have not found hope until this point today. But today... I'm going to, number one, I'm going to remember God has not turned his face up on me. Number two, I'm going to remember God has a plan for my life and his ways is higher than mine. Number three, I, I have learned today that God has not given up on me and God is going to be glorified in my life if I will just start walking with him and seeing his face again. David finally did share the secret of his faith. And it's in the fifth verse of the 13th chapter I read to you early. But I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in my salvation. That's the answer. That goes back a long way, but that's the answer. I finally got focused. My world bubble popped. My dreams of one day being is gone. But today, I realize that God has taken a hold of my life. Robert Louis Stevenson was a little boy, and he locked himself in a closet. He began to scream in the darkness, and his father came. You know what he did? According to the story, 
He just talked to him in the closet, in the pitch dark, until someone came that could open the door. Maybe you find yourself in that closet today. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Every way you turn, you just hit a wall. You just bump into a wall everywhere you turn. You know what? If you'll be still, there's a still small voice that's ready to comfort you today. And help is on the way. Once God has accomplished what he wants to accomplish in this chapter of our life, he's going to lead us to the next. So how did David survive? Can I leave you with this thought? He had a stubborn, and I'll use that word, and an unyielding faith in the God of a steadfast love. God is what? Love. Say it with me. God is love. That's who he is. That is who he is. And when we realize that, then the door opens. Maybe we ought to close like this. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Well, you say, that's what I'm going to do when I get to heaven. Why don't you just do that today? Why don't you just cling to the cross and recrown Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords in your life? And let the Lord lead you out of here, regardless of why you came today. Let him lead us out of here and say, as for me and my house, we're going to follow God. I know where he is. I know God the Father, I know God the Son, I know the God the Holy Spirit. And I have a lot of clues evident in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drop off all the shackles and the chains that bind me. I'm going to dry my eyes. I'm going to stand firm on the Word of God, and I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I wasn't here when God created the heavens and the earth. And neither were you. But I know he had a plan for Calvary. And I know he's got a plan to come back again. I know the resurrection was planned. I know the ascension was planned. And the second coming is planned. And if you want to know what the signs of the time are, just listen to the news today. And you will see every single one of them. Folks, we're there where we better get focused. You want to be looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't look to government. Don't look to military. Don't look to stock market. Don't look to medical discoveries. Look to Jesus. And you know what? When he knows you're looking, he's going to show his face to you. Last week, if you weren't here, I made the week miserable for some, so I want to make it miserable for you. <laughs> I gave everybody two questions, and we're, some have, have come to conclusions, some are still looking. Question number one, actually three questions. Who do you know the best? Who do you know the best in your life right now? He said, I know them better than anybody. 
Number two is, who do you love the most? Question number three is, is it the same name? Is it the same name? Who do you know the best? Who you love the most? Is it the same name? If it is the same name and the name is Jesus, he is alive. He is risen. You say, I love him the most. Well, he loves you more than you love him. Can you imagine? 